0: Man, well, you may be seated for just a moment. I've got a few things that I want to take care of before we get into the Word of God today. You don't mind if I just take a moment to do a little bit of honoring. The Bible says that we should give honor to those whom honor is due. He, uh, he said such nice things up here. I told him whenever he handed me the mic. I said, this is your anniversary, not mine. But those words, <clears throat> those words mean... More than he will ever know, and uh, they have been a constant source of encouragement in my life uh, throughout the years. I'm going to say it as well um, that I have no better friend. Uh, I know that I'm speaking of your pastor, Brother Don Shear, and I know that um, that kind of gets just thrown out there. Best friends. But I truly, uh, he's my best friend. And I, um, he gave me the courtesy of saying that as well. It's in my notes to share. But um, you, know, you don't always get that back. You don't always, sometimes you can choose someone and say they're my best friend. And maybe they don't feel the same way. I'm glad he feels the same way. But regardless of whether that was the case. He's, he's my best friend. Um, I, I don't really view him as just... It, it, the relationship goes deeper than that. I, I kind of view him as my big brother. Because he is older than me, just so you know. It's not just my big brother. Uh, it, it's, it's a closeness that I feel goes... The Bible talks about that the Lord is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And it kind of highlights that. That takes friendship to a whole nother level. And um, I feel that way about your pastor. He's been my mentor in so many ways. Some things intentionally. Some things that I just absorbed through osmosis. Just by being near him, watching him. And uh, experiencing things together. He's already referenced it, but I want to give you a little more details. I don't know if I would be in the ministry today if it wasn't for your pastor. I was 18, confused, wrestling with all kinds of emotions, thoughts, feelings. Felt my call to preach, but constantly 2nd it. at all kinds. I'm not going to... Get into the psychology of it all, but there was just, it was a mountain of uh, emotion that seemed bigger than what I could overcome, and to the point that I just gave up on it for the moment and decided that I was going to go another direction. And then, out of the blue, the very moment that I gave up, your pastor shows up Mm -hmm. to preach at our church. And um, I'd like to say I remember what he preached that day. I remember what he sang. <laughs> but it was the sermon after the sermon when he came to me and he said, um, and Your pastor flows in the spirit. I don't know if you've recognized that or not. And he came to me and he said, um, Have you ever thought about going to Bible college? And I laughed and said, yeah, that's really not for me. I'd already, I'd already enrolled in in college. I'd already had a plan that I was going to pursue. And uh, he said, "No, I I think you need to consider going to Indiana Bible College." He said, "I'm going there." He said, "It's my final year. I've just moved to Indianapolis." And you know, it's one thing to have somebody say, I, "You ought to go to Bible college." It's another thing for someone to say, "Why don't you come and be my roommate?" It was a total gamble. He didn't know really me or he, we, we we were acquainted, but we weren't close, tight at that point. And um, I laughed and said that wasn't going to happen. And for the next two weeks, I couldn't get that conversation off my mind. It just I dreamed about it. I I thought about it. I couldn't get away from it. And so I put all my stuff in my car. Actually, it was my brother-in-law's car. I stole it. This little Dodge Colt stuffed everything in it and went to IBC. Now, they had not accepted me. I don't even know that I'd filled out the proper paperwork. But I figured they needed the money. And so, and so I drove up, showed up, and um, they ended up letting me stay. Dan Lyford was part of that inaugural year with all of us, and um, great to see him but uh, Don became my roommate now he um I think that he had moments where he second guessed that decision along the way uh, but it wasn't just that moment it's been moments throughout my entire life that just somehow he shows up at critical moments has that Word to speak right at the right time, always pushing me, encouraging me, promoting me, believing in me when I struggle to believe in myself. I'll never forget, He gave me my first real real big opportunity. He made a way for me to, to be the camp evangelist for junior camp. I was going to be the best camp evangelist that the world had ever seen because I didn't want to let my friend down so I went and got a Power Ranger costume sight unseen (laughs) I didn't realize it was made out of spandex (laughs) that it was about three sizes too small and um, I think that was another decision that you might have regretted Uh, but Uh, Anyhow, barely modest, jump out there and I say, How many loves the Power Rangers and all the kids in the camp booed me? (laughs) But he was committed and he refused to abandon me. Even when I was embarrassing to myself. That's the kind of friend that he is. He's been a Jonathan. If you ever read the story between Jonathan and David, if there's ever been a Jonathan in my life, your pastor has been sharing his armor with me, giving pieces of his own self to me, though it caused him to be extremely vulnerable at times and put him at great disadvantage. I trust him with my life, and I say that sincerely. And besides besides Jesus Christ, I have no better friend. Shay Sharon, Pruitt, I love you and your husband. That was my famous quote whenever we had to all become televangelists because of COVID. And I came to the realization that I was the worst televangelist in the world. I had, an, I had more equipment in my front room than Fox News. Just couldn't get anything to work. So we were always back to the iPhone, stuck on a popcorn box, taped there, while the tape started letting go. And as I was trying to preach, I kept having to scoot down. (laughs) Tried to make it a little bit, you know, better as people came online, trying to holler out to, that was a disaster. But it came across, Shea Pruitt, and I said, oh, it's great, Shea Pruitt's joined us. I love Shea Pruitt. I realized I'm broadcasting that to the entire world, and so I quickly threw in. And I love her husband too. <laughs> oh, good times. Shay's my twin. I don't know if you know that or not. We're not uh, we're not related by blood, his blood, but not by natural blood. But she's my twin, and um, man, she makes me feel better about myself. Because she's such an awesome individual, and people say sometimes that we act alike, and so I I take that as a huge, huge compliment. She's a much better example of me than I am, but she's a wonderful. I love I love listeners sing. Wasn't that awesome what she just did? I could sit and listen to Shay sing forever. But the thing that I love about her the most is the fact she just. Is crazy in love with people. She loves people, and um, I, I appreciate that so much. Tess, Emma, and Abby, wow, what awesome, awesome young ladies! And um, I've watched these girls grow. You, you guys did well. They're totally committed to the kingdom watched them give up birthday gifts and graduation gifts. I've watched them pursue their calls to ministry. And I just want to say, if that's all that your ministry produces, you have been extremely successful. And I'm so proud, so proud of them. To this church, thank you for loving the people that I love. Thank you for all who support whatever form or fashion that is for all you that hold up the arms of ministry you know that God's given you a general right when you get generals, sometimes they have to manage battles on multiple locations and I understand that this church gifts him many times to many other places, many other ministries you've already heard it, you can't out God God honors that. God's going to bless you for that. And uh, but I just want to say thank you for sharing this family with all the rest of us. They do such incredible work, and God is God is with them. His hand is upon them. And thank you for letting me take just a moment to share some words. It's just a token of how I feel. There's no way that I could truly express what's in my heart, but. Uh, These are some of the greatest people in all the world. I wonder if we could give the Sheerans, entire family, your pastor, would you give them a hand of appreciation for 19 years of service for all that they've done here for the kingdom, a lot to celebrate, a lot that God has done. Thank you for that. You may remain standing. We're going to look to the word right now. I'm going to share with you what I feel like God has placed on my heart. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 18 through 25. Apologies to the AV team that I did not get you my scripture in advance. They don't ever get it at home either, so... 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 18 through 25. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad, the prophet, to say to David, this is King David, that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. It's a word from God. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel. And his four sons with him hid themselves. He's talking about the angel of death. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor. And bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, grant me the place of this threshing floor. That I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee. And let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but... I will barely buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. A parallel passage is also recorded, this story is recorded in 2 Samuel 24. I want to read how it's recorded there, verse 25. So David gave to Ornan, or, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not 25, 24. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. David says, I want to know the full price, and I will not offer to God anything that costs me nothing. So now going back, been confusing here, I know, to verse 25 of the original text. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. So this is what I want to talk about just for a few moments today is, so what's it worth? So what's it worth? Let's pray. Let's ask God to be with us today. Lord Jesus, uh, your presence has already been here, Lord. You have done amazing, miraculous, marvelous things in this place today. I felt it, Lord. I could see you at work. But I pray now that as I stand in this pulpit to minister your word, that I would do it, Lord, as you intended it to be spoken. Let me not be a hindrance. I pray, God, that it would be more than just a sermon, but let it be your words, your message to this people. And I pray, God, that we would all be encouraged, that we would all be challenged, and that we would all hear what you are saying to the church In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for your patience and for your standing. You may be seated. Let me give you just a little context to uh, what we have just read. The circumstances that are associated with the Scripture is what gives great value to our story and also to David's actions. Israel is in the middle of a plague that was spawned by David's disobedience. It had been initiated by sin, and sin always brings with it death and destruction. The angel of death is literally moving throughout the land, and good men are dying, and children are being Killed. Funerals have been scheduled all over uh, the community as the angel moves throughout the land, leaving in its wake weeping and and mourning and sorrow. Let me just stop long enough to say this: sin always affects more than just the perpetrator. You don't sin unto yourself ever. It affects. Everything and everyone around you. Innocent people always get hurt when individuals sin. The Bible gives us this principle in Romans chapter 5 when it says, By one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So that death was passed on all men. When David sinned, it didn't just affect himself, but everything and everybody that he was associated and connected with. And since he was the king, it touched his kingdom. You understand that principle, I'm sure. But David does what any of us should do. How many knows that none of us are flawless, that we all sometimes choose the wrong path and go astray? But the answer is always repentance. David repents. He begins to call out to God. He acknowledges his sin. He realizes that the pestilence, this pandemic, if you will, this plague is, is the, it's the result of his actions. And, and the Bible tells us that 70,000 people have died. So as the angel begins to approach Jerusalem, the angel of death, to destroy, David sees him with his sword drawn and his hand stretched out towards that city. And David and all of the elders of Israel, the Bible says, fall on their faces. And they begin to repent and ask God for mercy. And God says, enough. And the angel of death is stopped in his tracks. Let me tell you right now, if sin is ravaging your life, if it is if it is bringing negative consequences into your home, into your life, into your family, into your marriage, into any anything that you're associated with, the answer today is somebody just needs to repent, fall on their face, call out to God, and our God who is merciful and our God who is great in mercy will stop the plague in your life. You don't have to allow sin to do damage any longer. That can be stopped before you leave here today. Somebody say amen. But David, David, he he repents. The elders call out to God, fall on their faces, and that plague is stopped. And it's stopped over a threshing floor owned by Ornan, a Jebusite. I wonder how many of you remember when the plague was stopped in your life. How many remember that miracle of mercy that took place when you repented and you cried out to God. Do you remember how bad it used to be? Does anybody remember how messed up you were before you came to God Do you remember what sin was doing to you? What it was doing to your family and with tears streaming down your face and snot maybe even leaking out your nose for all to see. You said, God, I'm sorry. And God said, that's enough. Because a broken and a contrite heart, God will never despise. I'm thankful that He stopped the plague of sin in my life that was destroying me. I'm so thankful that I can say... That He saved me. Hallelujah. He healed me. He forgave me. He gave me a new lease on life. He turned my mourning into dancing. You sing about it today. He turned my sorrow into joy. He gave me life, but not just life. He gave me life more abundantly. Come on somebody, did he do anything for anybody in this house? Did he bring anybody out? Did he reach down in the miry clay and rescue anybody else other than myself? If it wasn't for the Lord, where would I be? Come on, that ought to be the song that everybody's singing right now. If it wasn't for the Lord, but oh how great and how awesome and how how amazing our God was. What a change He made in our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every service ought to be a service that is filled with praise. There should not be one service that goes by without everyone contributing something to the worship of the One who has set us free. Who have delivered us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank God for the worship that was happening in this place today. And I think it should always be. It ought to be the flavor of every service. And in fact, I'm going to go a little bit further and just let you know that God expects it. When God stopped the plague, he told the prophet Gad. He said, I want you to go to David and I want you to tell him. That you've got to be more than just thankful in your heart. I expect a public worship service. He said, David, you go down to Ornan's threshing floor where it stopped. And you you go to that place and build an altar and have a worship service. Because I expect public praise for what I have done. You can't just sit in your little palace and in private meditation and, and and give thanksgiving in your heart. Don't just sit there in silence or quiet reserve and stoic dignity. If I hadn't stopped this plague, you wouldn't have a throne to sit on. You wouldn't have a palace to live in. If I hadn't been merciful, you wouldn't have breath in your body. They'd be digging your grave and your children's grave and having your funerals. And so I expect public worship and I expect public praise. The Bible says that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It says that we are to show forth his praises. That means it should be visible. It should be public. It should be noticeable. It should be obvious. It shouldn't just happen here. It ought to be praise that you take with you everywhere you go. In fact, you couldn't keep, you couldn't, you couldn't not, this place would be filled with people if people would just begin to say, you know what, I'm going to start giving public praise for what God has done. I'm not just going to keep it to myself any longer. It's got to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness it's not something we just do in our hearts it's something we do with our hands it's something that we do with our feet it's something we do with our voices and with instruments and and it's not something we do just when we feel like it it's what we are instructed to do at all times David said I will bless the Lord at all times His praise will continually be in my mouth my soul shall make its boast in the Lord the humble will hear it and they will be glad oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I just want to attack that spirit that gets a hold of all of us sometimes when we come in here going through a little bit of mess or having a little bit of trouble in our life and it's kind of like we adopt this spirit that says, yeah, but what have you done for me lately? And my answer to that is, lately, what are you talking about? You still haven't finished praising Him for what He's already done. And besides, your storm hasn't killed you, has it? You're here, aren't you? are Come on, somebody. You're still breathing, aren't you? If the enemy had got his way, you'd have never made it here today. If he'd got his choice, then you wouldn't have even been allowed to come into the presence of the Lord. So I think that I'm just going to put my trouble aside for a moment. I think I'll just put my current circumstance behind me for just a second. And I think I'm just going to praise Him because He's been too good for me to be silent. He's been too good for me not to acknowledge Hallelujah. All of his wonderful blessings in my life. Sometimes in the middle of services, when God's spirit is breaking out, you can see it begin to happen. It becomes visible. It becomes obvious. It becomes audible. You see people begin to move. And I can see a couple of folks just sitting back. What are you guys getting excited about? Sometimes I just think you ought to, every once in a while, if you're in the middle of a service where God's moving and you feel God's power and somebody just sitting there like nothing happened, you need to go over and check their pulse. Stick a mirror underneath their nose and make sure they're breathing. Come on, somebody. We don't have, we don't have the right to sit out. Or just be an observer. He said, Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. My goodness, don't, don't you become just that corpse that somebody dropped off at church and propped up on a pew. When we come together, we ought to be, we ought to be in one mind and one accord. We ought to be lifting our voice. We ought to be clapping our hands. Come on, somebody. He's good enough. He's good enough to get my opinion today. I'm going to add my opinion. I'm going to join the choir. I might be in the pew, but while the choir's singing, I'm going to be singing with them. Because the Lord is great. And He is greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Praise God. David tells us, Exactly how we should be having church in Psalms chapter 150. First of all, he starts by telling us where we ought to praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Anybody in the sanctuary? It's a good place to start right there. But then he goes, and praise him in the firmament of his power. He's talking about the universe. You living in the universe? Basically, there's no place where you shouldn't praise Him, but He is very specific. That at the very least, when you get in the sanctuary, you ought to be praising Him. Then He tells us why we are to praise Him. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Wow. He didn't only just tell us why we should praise Him. He told us to what degree we should praise Him. According to His excellent greatness. Did you know that your, your praise reflects your opinion? If He's great, He ought to be greatly praised. And David says you praise Him according to to his excellent greatness. However, he's been to whatever degree he's been great, then that's the level of praise you ought to give. I don't know about you, but when I read that scripture, I get convicted service after service cuz I realize, "Oh my goodness, I didn't do I didn't do my job. I I didn't get it to the level that I needed to be." Somebody said, "Well, there's no way you can praise him enough." Yeah, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. That doesn't mean you ought to not give a good effort. His excellent greatness. He tells us how to praise Him. Praise Him with the sound of trumpets and with psalteries and harps and with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs and with loud cymbals and praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. People get so frustrated about praise because sometimes it doesn't fit in their style or it doesn't fit within their preference or they don't like certain instruments. Hey, guess what? I'm not trying to be rude, but the worship wasn't for you. He likes it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Some people can't sing on tune. All they can do is just make a noise, but he likes it. Sometimes they hit the loud sounding cymbals and somebody says, oh, I wish they'd toned that down. But he likes it. And so if he likes it, man, hit it again. Hit it again. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy to be exalted. This isn't about you. Well, it's not my preference. It's not my style. It doesn't matter. It's for him. I said it's for him. The subject's not you. Just because it didn't hit your preference, my goodness, are the words true? I said, are the words true? Then you ought to be able to endorse it. I'm talking to the elders. I'm talking to the young ones. Uh, young ones, if we're singing hymns, you ought to be out there dancing just like you do Anytime time we're singing something else. But elders, if we just pulled one that somebody just wrote last week, you ought to be out there jumping with the kids as well, saying, Woo, he's good. I endorse that statement. I agree with that opinion. (laughs) Praise God. And then, of course, he tells us who should praise him. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Say, Well, I'm not a part of this church. You got breath? Praise the Lord. Well, I, I'm, I'm just, I don't, I don't have it all down like that. Do you got breath? Praise the Lord. Everybody ought to praise the Lord. Praise is not something we just do every once in a while. It ought to happen every time we enter this sanctuary. The threshing floor of Ornan just happened to be... I don't know, does this sound familiar to you? The threshing floor of Ornan was on a mount called Mount Moriah. That's where Abraham worshipped God. just happens to be where David would put up a tabernacle and place the Ark of the Covenant after it was recovered. Which just happens to be where the temple was built. And worship would happen there continually. To this day, it's still a sacred place. Jews still worship there and it's, even though all they have is a wall, they still worship there and it's where they will build back the final prophesied temple. It was God's desire that worship would never cease on Mount Moriah and God ordained and designed for the sanctuary to be erected there because with all the history associated with the place, it should just naturally induce praise. Come on, we're selling 19 years of your pastor here, but many of you can go back farther than 19 years. Come on, when you stop and consider all of the things that God has done. I mean, when they stepped up on that mount, they were reminded that he was the lamb in the thicket. That he provided himself to sacrifice for their sins. When they recalled that the plague was stopped. When 70,000 had died and yet God stopped it in a moment of repentance. And gave them life instead of death that they didn't deserve. Come on, somebody! What happened to you? What has happened in this place? What are the victories that you won here? What are the battles that that you fought your way through? What are the what are the blessings that have been bestowed here? Come on, there's too much that happened here. There's too Come on, what addictions did you leave at an altar? What chains were broken in a moment of worship? There's too much history here for me just to hold my peace. It ought to just naturally produce praise. It ought to naturally produce worship. This is the place that I was forgiven. This is the place my sins were washed away. This is where I got filled with the Spirit. This is where I got healed, delivered, and set free. You would think just by being in proximity of the place, of those experiences, that it would naturally generate praise within us. David shows up. Thank you. You may be seated. David shows up at the threshing floor of Ornan. He asked to buy it from him so he could build an altar there so they could have a a worship service. And David asked the question, so what will it cost me? Now David doesn't care how much it costs. You've got to get that in your mind right now. This piece of ground is more important to him than, than his own polish yard. Because this has become holy ground. It's sacred ground. It's the kind of ground that Moses and Joshua took their shoes off when they visited it. So he asked the question, what do you, what do you want for it? That's what he's asking. What do you want for this property? And listen to Ornan's response. Nothing. David has pulled out his checkbook. Ornan, what what do what, what, what do you want for it? You, you, you name your price, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to lay it out right now. And Ornan says, "No, it's 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 not going to cost you anything." man was basically saying something like this. You've heard it before. No, we're just glad you're here. We're just so glad you showed up. It's not going to cost you a dime. You showed up and that's enough. You don't even have to put anything in the offering if you don't want to. In fact, in fact, I I got one better. You can take my oxen and you can have my tools and use that for wood on the fire. You can even take all the wheat that I've been harvesting and that can be your offering that you give to the Lord. I give it all to you. What Ornan was saying is this, and I'm getting to the meat of the matter now. He was saying it doesn't have to cost you anything to worship. But Ornan was wrong. And I don't mean to offend anyone in this place. But when you come to the house of God to worship, you got to bring your own sacrifice. And you got to go get your own wood. And you got to start your own fire. You cannot offer somebody else's stuff and call it sacrifice. You can't give what belongs to someone else and call it your offering. It doesn't work that way. Worship demands a personal investment, a pouring out of an individual, a giving out of oneself. It's not good enough just to show up. I'm glad you're here, but there's more to it. What did you bring with you to worship with? What kind of sacrifice did you drag in with you? He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. God is not impressed that we got all dressed up today and came to church acting like somehow we were doing God a favor. What did you bring with you? What did you come prepared to offer? Hebrews says, Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. He goes on to say, I beseech you therefore, brethren in Romans, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We should be presenting ourselves, and it's our reasonable service. The truth of the matter is, most of us, including myself, would have accepted Ornan's offer. Most of us would have said thanks. Thanks. Man, what a blessing. This is awesome. You mean I can just show up and it won't cost me anything? David. David said, no, 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 no. No way, no how. I cannot offer to God anything that costs me nothing. Nothing. If it doesn't cost me something, it's just somebody else's gift. If it costs me nothing, it is still somebody else's offering. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid too often we're just content to show up and we're just here to worship on somebody else's sacrifice. The praise team has prepared, the musicians have practiced, the service has been planned, the prayers have been spoken and we want to just show up and call it sacrifice. Oh Lord, I really went out all out today. I drove across the street, got came to the house of the Lord. It's a sacrifice. We gotta stop thinking that coming to the house of the Lord is a sacrifice. This is your greatest privilege on the planet right here. <laughs> that we're getting to come and be in the presence of the Lord. Listen to me, until it becomes personal with you, it's just somebody else's gift. Oh, I'm I'm happy for all that stuff, and I don't want them to ever stop it. It helps us, it enhances it, it encourages us. But listen, it can't be just something that you observe or you sit back and just be entertained by. It's something you've got to engage in. It's something you've got to connect with. It's something that you've got to that you've got to become a part of, a participant of. Just watching someone else praise or listen to someone else sing doesn't qualify as worship. David said, no thanks, Ornan. If it costs me nothing, then it's not mine to give. I'd just be offering your sacrifice. I'd just be giving your stuff. David said, I want you to tell me the full price. And I don't want a discount. Not looking for a clearance. I'm not looking for a favor. You tell me what the top dollar is for this place. Tell me what it's worth, and I'll pay it. How much you want, Ornan? I can see him as he kind of hems all around. Man, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know. Uh, I haven't. I haven't really had it appraised in a while. I mean, I know it's not in Scripture, but I kind of wonder if Ornan didn't respond back to David by saying something like this. Will you tell me? What, what, what do you What do you think it's worth? You be the appraiser. Don't put that on me. You be the appraiser. You decide the value. So David, the Bible says, gave to Ornan for the place six hundred shekels of gold by weight. Now, what you need to understand that is. That is in our money today. I think the economy was a little different back then. But in our dollars today, that was half a million dollars. First Kings tells us that the temple that Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20, feet wide, 20 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. That is about 90 feet long by 30 feet wide and 45 feet high. One acre, one acre is 43,560 square feet. The temple, that space that we're talking about was 2,700 square feet. You could fit 16 temples within the space of one acre, not counting the outer court. So David wrote a check for half a million dollars for a fraction of an acre because in light of what had just transpired there, that, is what he felt it was worth so now you tell me so what's it worth you see freedom from obligation always reveals the true the true thoughts of the heart you tell me what it's worth you 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 tell me what you you appraise it forced worship is not worship I said forced worship is not worship. Come on, you tell me, service leader. You tell me what I need to pay for it. How many times have I got to clap my hands today? Just tell me. Everybody clap. Okay, let's, let's clap our hands. That's, that's what we're going to pay. Hey, hey, everybody lift your hand. Okay, okay. If that's what you're praising it for. Hey, why don't somebody get out in the aisle? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're kind of overcharging, aren't you, now? But some of you... All right, I'll give whatever... Let me tell you something. It's—I it, I, I know there's encouragement that happens. I know that we say, "Hey, let's all magnify the Lord," and let's all clap our hands, or let's all get out in the hour if somebody needs to dance. All those are just—you know—these th- are just suggestions. But nobody's going to come back and force you out of your pew. This is all—it's free will giving, is what this is. It's a—it's—it's it's an appraisal that you've got to make for yourself. But just know this: your appraisal is reflecting your opinion. It's telling everything that you think. think Think about Him. So now when they get up and sing, Hey, let's all worship the Lord. Well, how much do you want me to worship I'm sorry. I'm not going to appraise it for you. You're going to have to appraise it yourself. You're going to have to decide yourself. How good is He? How good has He been? What kind of value are you going to put on the blessings that He has rained down around you? Come on, somebody. What's forgiveness worth? He forgave you in a second. and You've had to sit there and wrestle with trying to forgive yourself. What he did in just the moment you confessed it. He forgave. What's that kind of forgiveness worth? What's salvation worth? What is his mercy worth? What value would you ascribe? How much is it worth to you that God became a man for the purpose of dying for your sins? What's the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the hope of glory, worth to you? I could go on and on and make list after list. And if you were honest, you would admit that all those things are worth more than we could ever pay. That doesn't excuse us from offering what we can. How dare we just put a buck in the offering and wave our hands a few times and feel like that we've really given something that Sunday. How arrogant for us just to sit back and listen and watch someone else dance and call it, we were in worship today. You can't give somebody else's offering. You owe Him more than that. You should be emptying out the pockets of your energy. You should be emptying out the pockets of your abilities. You should be emptying out the pockets of praise. You should be praising Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. cannot sit there on our hands and... Those that do that, it makes me want to ask the question, and sometimes it's me. I gotta ask myself. So, what's it really worth to you, Chuck? I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I don't feel good. I don't so and so's over there worshiping, and I can't stand them right now. Whatever it is, I gotta I gotta talk to myself. I gotta talk to my soul. Come on, Chuck. What's salvation worth? What's, what's Calvary worth? What's, what's his love that's unconditional worth? What's unspeakable joy worth? What's peace that passes understanding worth to you? You don't even deserve to have been allowed to show up. You don't even deserve to be... Come on, somebody. David talked to himself. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. Bless His name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And don't you dare forget His benefits. He forgives me of all my iniquities. He forgives me of all my sins. He heals me of my diseases. Somebody needs to talk to themselves before we leave here today and say, wait a minute, I know we had worship service, but I don't think we did it right. I think he deserves a little bit more. And here's the thing, when you get in his presence, then you can't outgive God. The more you give, the more he gives in return. Somebody's just a good worship service away from their miracle. Somebody's just a good moment of worship away from your victory, from your healing. Now I know the argument. I know, I know what some are gonna say right now. Now, now wait a minute. You're up there trying to tell me that I gotta act like you or I gotta act like somebody. No, I'm not. I'm saying whatever's within you. If your personality isn't loud and boisterous like mine, if you've never jumped up on a pew like I'm on a pew right now, then I don't expect you to jump on a pew. But if you do it out there, you ought to do it in here. If there's anything that causes your emotion to cause your voice to rise, then your voice ought to rise in here. If you clap for things out there, you ought to be clapping for things in here. If you dance out there, you ought to dance in here. A little lady came in with the alabaster box, remember that? She walked in with the alabaster box and the Bible says that she broke it at his feet in a moment of worship. The value is going to be attributed later. We're going to find out that it was a year's worth of wages. But notice when she came in, she didn't just crack the lid and pour a little bit out. But the Bible says she broke it at his feet because she wasn't planning on taking anything home with her when she left. It was is going to be an act of full worship. Whatever's in the box, that's what he's going to get. Everything I've got, I'm going to lay at his feet. Somebody needs to make up in your mind before you leave here today. I ain't carrying anything home. I'm leaving it all on the floor. I'm leaving it all at his feet. I'm going to pour out my energy. I'm going to pour out my emotions. I'm going to pour out my praise. Praise is an act of our will. Some of you sitting around waiting and saying, well, when I feel it, I'll do it. No, no, no. He's worthy whether you feel it or not. He's worthy whether you feel anything or not. I will bless the Lord. I will. I'm going to choose to do it. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to offer a sacrifice of praise. When Mary poured out the contents of that box and broke it at Jesus' feet, there was someone in the audience who was making an assessment and said, This was a waste. You shouldn't have given so much. You shouldn't have poured all that out at once. We could have done so much more with that. And Jesus turns to Judas and says, So that's how you feel about me. So that's what your opinion is of me. The truth of the matter is, uh, there wasn't enough in the box uh, to give him honor that he deserved. But those that measure are usually those that end up betraying. And You got to make up in your mind right now, I'm going to be a praiser. I'm going to be a worshiper. That's what it said that was known of her forever. Jesus said wherever this gospel is preached it'll be remembered of her that she was a worshiper. And the Father seeketh such to worship Him. He's looking for true worshipers. Not just those that just give little elements or little portions of themselves. But those who wholly pour themselves out and say, Lord, I'm going to give you everything. I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. What's in you? What 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 have you have what, what have you not poured out yet? What is there to offer but you just haven't decided to give it yet? What more can you give right now in a moment of worship? I can smell the aroma of her worship as it filled the atmosphere. As she poured out that ointment and that oil, as it as that perfume filled the air. Let me tell you something. God wants this place to be filled with, a, with the environment can change in just a moment. Everything can shift in just a moment if we would just begin to build a throne of praise for him to sit upon. Judas, you don't feel I'm worth that expensive of a gift. But I don't want to be one of those who take for granted what God has done for me. And I don't want to sell out because I didn't understand the value of what God has done in my life. I think it's time that we just decide that we're going to be extravagant worshipers. Some of you are looking around saying, well, I just don't know if I could do that. Well, the question is, is he worthy of it? I'm not even asking you to do something that's outside of your personality, but, but why don't you engage your entire personality right now into just pre- all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, everything that is within me. Don't let it be said of us that we draw nigh with our lips, but our heart is far from Him. Don't let it be said that we just give tokens of our appreciation and affections as mere bribes to, to try to just throw the service leader off our back or, 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 or make people feel like that i paid my part. On the contrary, you got to make an appraisal today. you got to make a choice today. you got to survey everything that God's done in your life. Come on, I'm not talking about just what He did in the last 24 hours. I need you to go back. He put my marriage back together. He gave me hope whenever I was hopeless. He broke that addiction that was bankrupting me and was destroying my health. He gave me back my strength when I was so weak. He carried me through that storm. He helped me climb over that mountain. He got me through that valley, even the valley of the shadow of death. He was there. He was with me. He never has left me. He will never never forsake me he promised to be with me to the very end his peace his peace is the thing that keeps my mind sane his peace is beyond understanding hallelujah hallelujah i can hear it i can hear the praise beginning to roll up i can hear the worship begin to be lifted up Somebody said grace is free and I agree, but it ain't cheap. I said it ain't cheap. What are you gonna, I know he loved you first. He loved you before you ever chose to love him back. But now that he's loved you, what kind of love do you want to pour out on him? What kind of worship do you want to give back to him? I want to just mention one more thing as they continue to worship. Don't stop. This is my final point. They can come to the music. But how do you think God feels when we're constantly haggling over the cost of devotion when He paid it all for our redemption? So what's it worth to you? we go try to find separation on a clearance rack when we're constantly saying, come on, pastor, do, you, do, do we really have to do that? Do, do you really think that pleases Him? My goodness, if there is even an inkling in your mind that it might please Him, your heart ought to automatically, be, your, your hands ought to be opened and your heart automatically should be rejoicing in the fact that possibly I've found another way to express my appreciation for everything that He's done for me. Well, not everybody else understands it. It doesn't matter if they understand it. If he likes it, if he loves it, then I just want to give it to him. I just want to give it to him. I'm not looking for minimums. I'm not looking for discounts. I'm not looking for what I I have to do just so that I can, you know, get by. I want to know. You tell me the full price, Pastor. You tell me what he needs. You tell me what he wants. You tell me what it's worth. No, better yet, I'll appraise it for myself. When I think about the Lord and how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to shout hallelujah. It makes me want to dance in the Spirit. It makes me want to lift my hands even though everybody else is watching. It makes me want to shout out some kind of praise. Hallelujah. We went through too many services where we just offered somebody else's gift. We went through too many services where we just sat back and we allowed someone else to make the sacrifice and we just let it become entertainment to us. But not anymore. Not anymore. No, He's too good for me to be silent. I've got to add my opinion. I've got to add my opinion to the choir. I've got to make sure my praise gets included in the sacrifice. Hey, Pastor don't end the service without getting my worship on the altar because he deserves it he deserves it hallelujah Hallelujah. I know we've had a great service already. I, I get it. I wrestled with even preaching this after we had such a great time in the Lord. But I just got a feeling that maybe there were some who you didn't buy in yet. You didn't get you weren't a participant yet. But what would happen if it fell on all of us? If the whole house right now would just decide, you know what? We're going to magnify the Lord together. We're going to exalt his name. We're going to lift him up the way that he deserves to be lifted up. We're going to we're going to shout. We're gonna to sing. We're going to worship together in one accord because He's great and therefore He's greatly to be praised because He's good and His mercy endures forever because His truth continues to endure. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to praise Him for what He's done. I'm going to praise Him for who He is. I'm going to praise Him for what He's already promised to do. The things that I haven't even witnessed yet or seen but I know you're bringing my children in. You said if I raised them in the way of the Lord uh, that they would not depart. You said, Lord, that if I gave them to you. Come on, I'm talking to some mamas right now who you dedicated your children to the Lord in this place. Uh, And don't sit there and say, I'm not going to praise until they come. No, you praise because they're coming. You praise because God promised that He would continue to draw them. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. That's it. Clap your hands, all you people. Clap your hands, all you people. Clap your hands, all you people. All you people. All you people. And shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, somebody lift your voice and sing. Sing a new song. Make a joyful noise. My hallelujah belongs belongs to me.